Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Pav. And I'm Neil. And welcome to the Top 10 of Anything podcast. Let's start the countdown! 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Movie deaths come in all shapes and forms, from the good old revenge death that has the crowd cheering, to witnessing a loved character breathe their last breath. Movie deaths have the power to rock us to our core. Here's Neil, the man that makes everyone say core, our fact hunter Neil. (laughs) That's terrible. With 10 movie death facts. Uh, Thank you very much, Pav. So what I thought we'd find out today is the top 10 people who've died the most in movies. And believe it or not, Sean Bean isn't in the list. So at number 10, we have Eric Roberts, who has died 35 times. And number nine, we've Tom Sizemore, who's died 36 times. Number eight, Bella Lugosi, who's died 36 times as well. Dad, we gotta go home. And then number seven, John Hurt, who's died a staggering 39 times. I wanna go home. And number six, Boris Karloff, who's 41 times on screen. And Dennis Hopper is also 41 times he's died on screen. Sorry, stuff's just falling everywhere. Poltergeist. I love you, 3,000. Another 41 deaths on screen is Vincent Price. I love you, 3,000. And then in third place is Lance Henriksen, who's died 51 times on screen. I love you, 3,000. Number two is Christopher Lee, who's died 60 times on screen. And the person who's died the most on screen is Danny Trejo with 65 deaths. Wow. That would be 3,000. Is that it? 65? Yeah, he's only died 65 times. Look at that. And he survived the, being a rancor keeper as well in The Mandalorian, so that's fair he enough. Did. yeah. Let me turn that off now. I don't need to have that on. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to count down our top 10 movie deaths and... For our guest, we have royalty tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, She's an author, 
Empire Magazine legend and geek queen, ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Helen O'Hara. Yay! Hello! (laughs) It's been six years since we last met. (laughs) Feels like only six minutes or months or something. Well, maybe a bit longer. Uh, But we were, before we pressed record, we were working out that it was Star Wars Celebration that we, 2016, the Europe one, wasn't it? Where was it? Yeah. Was it the Excel Center? I was at the Excel in yeah. It's slightly less exotic than some locations, but you know, it's all good. Oh, it was, it was so good. It was though. so it was, fun. Yeah. It was so much fun. Uh, and as we're recording this, the it's Anaheim, I think, is is this year's. Um uh which you were saying that unfortunately you couldn't make it to this one. You weren't chosen. No, I wasn't. One of my colleagues, uh, Ben Travis, um, has has gone off to Anaheim this year. He's drawn the long long straw for that one, so he will be there, basically yeah. hugging every baby Yoda in sight. If I know Ben, <laughs> so he'll have a good time. But you did say that the trade off was that you went to the immersive, like the Star Wars Galactic Cruiser, didn't you? Yes. So I, I didn't really feel I could argue with Ben being set to celebration because myself and uh, my pod colleagues, uh, Chris Hewitt and James Dyer, went to try out the Galactic uh, Star Cruiser earlier in the year. And it was it was immense. It was magical. Because the thing is, you know, I know that Star Wars is famous for the used universe and everything. And this was a little bit more kind of, you know, Star Wars prequels or some of the sequels stuff. It's kind of shiny Star Wars, right. um, which which some people, including James, would say is less, feels less Star Wars-y in some respects. But at the same time, that meant for me, it also felt a little bit Star Trek. It felt a little bit Fifth Element. It felt a little bit Battlestar Galactica. So I was just having the best time. <laughs> it was amazing. Did you dress up as well? No, and I felt really out of place. I felt really foolish that I had brought like coloured tops. Um, if I, I actually ended up one day for dinner wearing essentially my running gear because that felt more in keeping with what everybody else was wearing. You know, right? It's one of those places. If you if you find yourself, you know, with a chance to go to the Star Cruiser, just wear neutral colours and you know, close fitting leggings and and sort of neutral coloured tops, and you will genuinely feel better for it do not make my mistake yeah it's been a while since i've worn leggings (laughs) (laughs) very flattering you know i've seen loads of videos online where and people are saying look this isn't a star wars hotel where you can just kick back and relax you've got to immerse yourself in because it's basically a two-day experience isn't it it is. Yeah. It's a two-day thing. And um, I mean, look, you can kick back and relax. I did a start. There was the, the cert, the first day we were there, I was a bit like, we've got about an hour and a half before dinner, guys. I, I'm just going to lie in my cabin and watch the window, you know, watch the stars go past. Like, that's yeah. all I want to do right now. Um, so you totally can do that. But equally, they give you... Uh, a data pad, aka an old iPhone, right. and you use that to to go on sort of missions for people uh, around the ship and and eventually on day two around the park as well. So um, you can get as involved or not as you want. So like the little kids I saw were having a great time doing all of these missions. I came out at one point out of the dining room and they did have blue milk and things like that. But yeah. I came out of the dining room at one point. And Chewbacca was going up the stairs, right? And <laughs> so I called back to Chris and James. I'm like, hey, guys, Chewbacca's here. And this 12-year-old girl who I'd never seen before turns around and goes, no, he isn't. You didn't see anything. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this whole gaggle of children who then backed her up. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah. Forgive me. I must have been mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> so they were getting very, very into it. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm very, I've, I've been very lucky. That I've said on this podcast many times. I've been to Galaxy's Edge, and it is an amazing. Oh, experience. it's magical! Yeah, oh. I'd not been before, so it was a huge, huge thrill. 
Yeah, so to do that, I mean, fair play to you. Fair play. This might be an impossible question, but I must ask it. What was the <laughs> highlight of the immersive experience? Um, honestly, I mean, I, I was just giddy as a, uh, the whole way through. I, I think... I think it might be the first time the ship jumped to into hyperspace, I, and and the whole basically you could you know there's a whole bridge with this enormous view screen, and that was that was pretty magical. I, you, you was a little bit pinch yourself at that point. Yeah, yeah. I um like I say I've I've seen a couple of videos. So did you do any video like for Empire or was it for Empire? Or was it just so you could write about it? No, that that would have been sensible. No, we we, we did podcasts <laughs> while we were there. Um, you know, I took some pictures and stuff for like in my Instagram, but it's not a very professional Instagram. It's mostly just here's a picture of a flower I saw. You know, right. um, but uh, but no, we we just. We just we just went and drank blue milk and ate, ate blue food and had a great time. Lovely. I'll find one of the videos that I've watched and I'll put it on the Patreon video playlist so that people can see. Have you ever seen any of the videos, Neil? I, I'm in I'm in the background of at least one. Oh, are you? Oh, oh are yeah, you? Okay. yeah. Because it because we were there obviously as part of a, a sort of media right trip. So so yeah. I, I mean, I'll, I'll be watching it again now just to see <laughs> if I can find. I'll get a screenshot with a big red circle going. There's Helen. There's it's me. I'm the one in the inappropriately bright colours. <laughs> yeah, you'll be easy to find then you'll be easy to find but uh, yes also, I have watched a video you yes. have yeah you I've have. watched a couple yeah it just I mean obviously amazing. the thing is it's it's very expensive um yeah. but I think as an experience if you've got the money you should you should do it it's the same as I've said anybody that's a Star Wars fan should go to Galaxy's Edge because it's not like a theme park it is like just stepping into another it sounds corny but it's like yeah, it stepping is. into another world because everybody that works there are in character. They don't. They're not saying, "Oh, yeah, I, I watched the football match last night." They bright suns, and I love it. It's oh, I go there every day <laughs> so if I could. Cool. It, it was so cool. cool. Yeah, I mean, look, I, I I know I was profoundly lucky to get to go. Um, and uh, you know, journalist wages would not cover it on their own, but uh, just magical <laughs> stuff. Magical. We're not here to talk about wonderful things. We're here to talk about death. That's what we're here to talk about. So, um. Both of you, what would you what would you consider is a classic movie death? What would you consider is the definition? Helen, you first. Um, well, I'll be honest. A lot of mine are quite chatty, so I think I have a preference for the sort of operatic movie death—the one where somebody survives long enough to have a few pithy last words. Okay. So I um, put cards on the table. A lot of mine fall into that category, um, but I have gone for a few which either you know, traumatised you and shaped the way you saw the world as a kid. Um, and also a couple that just, it's an incredibly memorable image. Mm. Um, where I think some of those were on my long list and didn't make didn't make the cut, but but a couple are, I think, still in my top 10. And it's just, it, it, I have not got the image out of my mind since watching the movie. Yeah. Neil? Yeah, well, exactly like that. It's, um, it's that you remember the death. It sounds awful, but when you think back of a film and that's the first thing you remember, that's when it becomes... A great death scene to me is is your memory of it. Mm. Um, but when picking this, I ended up with hundreds. Uh, yeah, well, not hundreds, but loads and loads and loads. So I thought, well, what I'm going to do to get my top ten because I was starting to think, how do I choose? Is the first ten that I wrote down was obviously the most prevalent in my mind, and that's what I've gone for. So mm. yeah, they're all pretty classic deaths. Yeah, I had a couple in mind. Well, it never made my top ten, but they've stopped me watching the movie again because they're so i mean i'll, I'll tell you the one is melissa leo in equal in equalizer two with pedro pascal and i oh, will right. say before we carry on now 
spoilers. There's going to be spoilers. Spoilers for everything. Spoilers for everything. So, you know, we, we're not going to apologise because we're talking about movie deaths. I'm sure we may even spoil... I'm um, Not you, Helen, because you've probably watched every movie there is, but we may spoil <laughs> movies for each other tonight. So... There you go. There's your warning. Spoiler. Well, I hope there's no really recent movies because I just haven't been able to get to the. Well, I mean, then don't. I mean, sorry, Neil. We'll just have to go la 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 la, won't you? Or take your headphones out yeah. when we're talking. <laughs> but that one in particular is uh, is. Do you know what I'm talking about with the knife? Can't remind me. I no, I don't. Yeah. So Melissa Leo's sort of sat on the floor and they've, she's just been sort of attacked and Pedro Pascal, like if I'm right, is like a double agent or something that the equaliser Denzel Washington's going to yep, yep. sort out. But she's ta- he's talking to her, has his hand over her mouth, and then just just sticks the knife in her, but just like as cold as anything. And I can't watch the movie because of that. I, I, I do like the equaliser movies, but that is so fucking cold. I just can't do it. I can't watch that movie anymore because it just, it just unsettles me. So it's not in my top 10. But let's carry on. Helen, give us your first... Or your number 10. Well, no prizes for guessing why this one's on my mind, but at number 10, I have put Goose from Top Gun. Okay, Okay, yes. Anthony Edwards. Um, I am still haunted by it, and so are uh, all the characters, it turns out, in Top Gun Maverick, so I feel kind of vindicated in that. Um, But but yeah, it's just, it's the tragedy of it, it's the senselessness of it, it's the moment Mm. in your life that can't be stopped and changes everything that comes before and after. So, So it just really really struck me it's not the most visually amazing death you know he doesn't get any great last words in the way that some of the others on my list do but you know i'm not over it yeah it turns out. no i feel that but see no i'm i can't remember the last time i watched top gun but i remember when i last watched it i didn't think it was a particularly good film <laughs> am i am i right in that or it's 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 very cheesy at times. It doesn't make a lot of sense at times. Um, it's very jingoistic, of course. Um, uh, you know, yeah, yeah, but at the same time, I just have a lot of affection for it. I think I saw it at a young enough age and I've seen it enough times mm-hmm. that I just kind of love the characters a lot. It's very 80s. It is very 80s. But but I do think that the death scene is still well done. It's the mm. sort of, So basically they're uh, they're in a flat tailspin. They can't get out of it. Maverick's tried everything. He's thrown everything uh, at the controls, but nothing is working. So they have to eject. And Goose basically hits the canopy as he ejects and it breaks, I guess, breaks his neck. We're not entirely clear, but it looks like it breaks his neck. And and so again, it's a senseless accident. And it's that shock of that when when all you've been hearing about is how great these guys are and how expert mm. they are. And then just still mm. things can go horribly wrong. And it's it's a rare moment of realism in a film that is absolutely not about realism correctly. Mm. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> Break, breaks the goose's neck. Oh God, oh. that's... The- <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, okay, so no spoilers for Top Gun Maverick because that hasn't... That's no, like, none, no. As no. we're recording it this weekend, but does that make Top Gun a better movie with how good Top Gun Maverick is? Because I've heard good re- reviews. Oh, it's so good. I've seen it yeah. twice already. Uh, yes, I think it does. And I think, but I, one of the reasons that it really works is because it does lean into Goose's death simply because his son, um, who's now call sign Rooster, played by Miles Teller, is a character in the movie. And he has yeah. this very strange relationship with Maverick, where Maverick has clearly been something of a father figure to him over the years, but there's also a lot of bad blood and ill feeling there. And, and, and they're not quite sure how they feel about each other and how they relate to each other. And, and that's all mined for so much emotion in the movie. I just love it. I love big, dumb action movies that also lean into 
big dumb men trying to deal with their emotions you know <laughs> I, I, I love it no disrespect to men hashtag not all men uh, but just you know the, like big macho men dealing with emotions is one of my favorite things in cinema you're going to hear some more about that okay that's cool oh, no. mm, that's cool well you're talking to two big dumb men so uh, <laughs> well, let's talk about emotions later neil shall we uh, go on then neil you're number 10 so mine's Sean Bean, Boromir, and Fellowship of the Ring, which is, um, yeah, I still think about that today, the amount of arrows that shot into poor old Sean. He, he never seems to survive, and that's why I said at the beginning of the my facts, I, everybody would have thought he was in there, but obviously not. But yes, this one, it was, it was upsetting nonetheless at the end of the movie, wasn't it? Seeing him brought down by those arrows straight into him. Um, this is on yeah. my list as well. I've got it at number five. Okay. Um, I went back and forth a little bit, you know, because Gollum is a memorable visual death mm. in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. But I feel like Boromir is the one that that stands out. The whole my captain, my king, the kind of rapprochement with with Aragorn, the, the deathbed conversion back to the side of truth and justice and getting rid of the ring. I mean, the emotion of it still destroys me, and I've seen that yeah. film God knows how many times. Mm. How many arrows was it that took him down in the end? It must have been a good force. It's at least five, right? Yeah, I was going to say, it's at least five, yeah. And they're not small arrows no. either, are they? Yeah. Big arrows. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't even think about that one. As much as Sean Bean dies in nearly every film, I didn't even think of that one. Um, okay, my number 10 was something that definitely during my childhood... I can't remember when I saw this film for the first time, but it's Quint in Jaws. Um, oh, that's my number four. Is that your this number four? This was my number 12. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think it's just the fact, it, because it's so visceral. Mm. And I can remember watching that film when I was, I don't know, eight or nine. And it was always oh, a fish movie. It's a, and then, you, know, you see the fish and you see a bit of blood and there's a, a leg dangling sort of through the water but then that happens and when he squirts the water the blood out of his mouth Mm. it's just it's just shocking it's shocking for any age even now when i watch it i still i still just tense up a little bit as a youngster it really was it was really visual wasn't it really and the head the head that you that came out of the the bottom one of the biggest jump scares in movie history that head yeah Mm. i mean that's another top 10 top 10 jump scares (laughs) and we're gonna have to have you back for that one helen (laughs) yeah um but i also read something that really made me laugh is if you watch jaws in reverse, he's a really happy guy. He gives everybody their limbs back and, <laughs> and spews people back out. We'll have to try that. But yeah, I I think it's the fact that that move. A lot of that movie is not what you see. It's it's all very played, sort of not off screen, but it's how tense it is, and you don't yeah. actually see what's going on. That bit is the bit that just socks you right between the eyes. Um, I don't think I've ever got over. I, I love the movie, but it's mm. that bit I will tense up. We were talking to somebody a few weeks ago, and we were, talked about Jaws, and they said how dated it looked. Well, I watched it what? last week, oh. and I yeah, and I thought it hadn't at all. They were talking no, no. about the shark, obviously. Do you remember it's a podcast we did a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? And um, yeah, I watched it, and I thought, no, it really doesn't no. detract at no, all. I don't, I don't think. I think, I think they they cut around it so so well, and mm. and almost it's sort of lack of expressiveness lack of movement is is almost scarier in a weird yeah. way if you compare it to the cg sharks in deep blue sea a film i love yeah. oh no i might have to redo my list <laughs> <laughs> what the samuel l jackson samuel l jackson's death and that oh that is a death and that, well, um, no, i'm going to stick with what i have but um, okay. but yeah i mean it, you know 
they the sharks in that are, are if anything less scary than Jaws just simply because of mm. its implacability yeah just be thankful that George Lucas didn't direct Jaws and uh, Steven Spielberg did because we'd have had a director's cut and they'd have all been CG uh, Jaws yeah uh, go on then, Helen, your number nine, please. My number nine. I've got Captain Rhodes from Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah, what a great Choke split. on it. <laughs> yeah. Choke on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, I, you know, look, I'll be honest, uh, I find zombies really, really, really terrifying. Like, far more terrifying than I should, logically, what with them not existing. But what if they did, you know? I was going to say, or do they? Or do they? Or could know. they? Um, and just, again, it's the it's the image of this death. It's not, you know... It's not anything leading up to it. He's not my favorite character, obviously, but but that that moment and, and even it's even powerful when it's been kind of played out in other films and riffed on in other films, mm. obviously Shaun the Dead, things like that. Um, it's still got power. But yeah. the original is whew, and I, I mean, I've probably watched that underage. Um when did it come out? 85, was it? About then. And I can always remember getting the video. And just being shocked because I thought it looked so real. Not mm. that I knew what guts looked like, but yeah, it was so real and grim. But what a death. So I, I have to say, I've never watched um, Day of the Dead. Right, I've got a box so, that I'm going to lend you it. <laughs> there you I'm go. Right, right there. Just, so just to explain to me what happens in this, in this death. Oh, um, I'll be honest. The details are are scant because I've uh, blocked them out for the oh, most part. But, okay. but he is he is basically he is basically the hardest, baddest character in the movie. Um, right. He's not the warmest, nicest man. No, I think it's fair to say arse, he's an arse. Yeah, uh, and um, and finally gets basically dragged out by the zombies who start eating him while he's still alive, start ripping his guts out while he's still alive. Right, and he is shouting. Choke on him, choke on him. And they okay. literally pull him apart. Yeah, they pull okay. him apart. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I will see it when guts. I put the, the I mean, it's, playlist yeah, it together. Is but it's horrifying. It's okay. horrifying. It's a very visceral, gory, gross death. It really sticks with you. Um, in the same category, I I did have on my list for a long time. It ended up at number eleven. Emil from RoboCop, oh, right? Okay. Which is the toxic waste death, yes, which yes. I saw way too young. Yeah. Same. And that haunted me. I had mm. a lot of nightmares about that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I agree with that one. Uh, go on then, Neil, you're number nine. Well, we just spoke about it a little bit. Um, it's uh, Deep Blue Sea, Samuel L. Jackson. Hey. I remember, yeah, I remember going to the cinema to see this and obviously Samuel L. Jackson being in the credits thinking, oh, well, he'll be all the way through it. And it literally was a jump scare nearly of a death mm. it, I, I wasn't expecting it nor was the pack cinema that I was watching it and remember it very well and everybody ooing and ahhing that he'd gone and and some people behind us I remember the lady behind me said has he actually been eaten <laughs> <laughs> as if he's just suddenly going to reappear in the water but yes so literally he stood at the side he's doing that very rousing speech to get everybody going and then woof woof or rather splash out comes the, yeah <laughs> splash out comes the shark and eats him whole and takes him straight in cgi cgi is a little bit ropey nowadays but hey isn't it all with the 90s movies looking yeah. very very dated but it's still a great death it's so and unexpected good. The shock of that, you know, mm. and, and that whole big speech, you know, we know the rhythms of these movies. We know how the big speech goes and they do not include being eaten by a shark when you're yeah. in the middle of saying, mm. you know what's faster than water? Ice. Or, <laughs> or you think water's fast, you should try ice. Yeah. Oh, is, my God. So good. Is that the last good film that Remy Harlan's actually um, directed? There you go. I'll put it out there. I feel like there was something a couple of years ago that wasn't bad. 
Hang on, I'll have to. Uh, oh, that sounded damning. Didn't it? it did, yeah. but he sort of sort of drifted right off. I thought he was going to, you know, be that. We all thought he was going to be the next big. But he did. Um, didn't he do? He did Die Hard too, didn't he? Yeah, Die Harder. Yeah, mm-hmm. and he did the long kiss goodbye, good night, whatever good it was. Night, with, yeah. yeah. And um, then, um, what was the pirate one he did with that we've all tried to throw Island? That's right. Yeah, that didn't go well. I, I, I quite like that film, but yeah, it didn't, didn't go brilliant. So, 2021 is a class reunion three. There you go. He's, he's... Yeah, yeah. You know what? I may have misremembered with the whole. I think mm. he did something more. The recently. Misfits, Legend of the Ancient Sword, Skip Trace, The Legend of Hercules. In 2014. Oh, my God, he hasn't done much. For yeah, that was with Kellen Lutz as Hercules. Oh, so. oh is it that one? Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, he did The Covenant, which is a, a terrible movie that I'm hugely amused by every time I watch it. Um, that's the one which is like four young witch boys. Real good eye for casting in there. It was a very early role for Taylor Kitsch and Sebastian Stan wow. and Chase Crawford. So he got all of them before they were famous, but um, but like bad movie. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, we digress. Anyway, we do. Uh, Seems um, his career has died. (laughs) (laughs) That's another movie death, yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, my number nine, very famous. Another another movie I saw way too young. Uh, It's Kane, so John Hurt in Alien. Um, And and any of yours? Do you know what? It isn't, um, and I don't know why, but because it's a great, great death. A really, really good death. Yeah, it's another one of those ones that just comes out of nowhere because you think he, the, the guy's okay. He's, he's fine. He's, he's tucking back into his food. With his mates, yay. Having a laugh. Oh, he's got a little bit of rice stuck in his throat. Oh, no, bless him. Give him a glass of water. And then all of a sudden, this penis just jumps out of his, out of his <laughs> chest. Everywhere, blood everywhere. And, you know, the, the story that the crew didn't, or the, the cast didn't know that was going to happen. And... I mean, I, I, it's, it reminds me the same of the, the Quint in Jaws, is the fact that you mm. didn't know it was going to happen. From that point, before that, it had all been building up to something, but you didn't quite know apart from, I suppose, the, the pod smashing into his face. And then after that, it's just total bonkers. It's one of those movies that I think is perfectly paced in the fact that you sort of think, God, this is slow, this movie. Nothing's really happening. And then all of a sudden, shit, it's the fan, and you think, I just don't want... I want to watch but I don't want to watch anymore. And it's a, Jaws is very much like Aliens. You only see what you need to see. 100%. If you, if you just saw it in the like a day, oh, that's not very scary. But when you see it with the drawl, it's just one of the, the scariest monsters ever. It is astonishing. He also did a great parody of it in Spaceballs. He did. He had a lot of time for yes. as well, but he doesn't die in that one, so that wouldn't <laughs> no, count. No, no, that's true. Um, right then, Helen, your number eight, please. My number eight, I feel like it's going to be higher on some other lists. Um, Hans Gruber, Die Hard. Hans Gruber, yeah, that's number five in mine. Oh, number six for me. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Um, but but ast- astonishing image, just that fall, just just fantastic. And, and sort of at the peak of his triumph to... Uh, to finally go. And then even the, the last gasp for, you know, safety, holding on to her watch mm. and symbolism, man. Oh, it's great. But yeah, yeah. You, you can't really, you can't really fault it. But they, he didn't know he was going to be dropped from quite a height, did he? So the fear is genuine. Yeah, or, or they dropped him before they got to the end of the countdown or something. That's it. They, they dropped him yeah. on two, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. They said, we're going to we're going to drop you on three. And they went one, two and dropped him. Dropped but him. it's that, it's like you say, when they're, they're, they're fiddling with the watch, 
and it's that slow motion look where he's 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 looking up in sort of while he's holding on and the gun is about to come up it's beautifully directed mm. yeah. beautifully edited fantastic in slow motion but it's one of those yay finally he's gone <laughs> he's what? screw you you suck yeah. <laughs> yeah. exactly exactly uh go on then neil you're number eight so this, um, at 22 years of age, when I went to see this at the cinema, brought me to tears. It's Mufasa and the Lion oh. King. And it's still, I still hate it now, seeing it. So going through my kids growing up and having to watch it over and over again, it was a point where I always thought, no, I'm going to nip out of the room while this bit's on and come back when Simba's a little bit more grown up. Um, it's just disturbing for a Disney death. And I know there's been a lot of disturbing deaths, but I find this one probably the most upsetting because of little Simba trying to wake his dad and everything. And it gave me reminiscence, which is another thing that always makes it talk about movies that make you cry, but the champ with um, John Voight, the end of that kills me nearly. And it reminded me of the same feelings I've got of watching that. And I struggle still to this day with it, but yes, when he's been crushed under the, the pretense of scar being, yeah. Yeah, it's, we all know. And, and it's scar digging the claws in as oh, well. Yeah. That is, oh. Pure like evil. Pure evil, twisting the knife. Yeah. As a as a movie expert, Helen, um, where do you stand on the Disney remakes of the the animated movies? Um, I stand all over them. I just like jump up and down, to be honest, for the most part. <laughs> um, no, I, 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 I think for the most part, there's no reason for them to exist. Yeah. Um, I think some of them have been exceptionally well done. I think the Jungle Book actually is is very very good, um, but but most of them I'm a bit like, I mean, you made that movie already. Why mm. why are we why are we doing this? Um, I appreciate the artistry involved. God knows the VFX work is extraordinary, but you know why not make something new with those people mm. and get let them fly off and do their own flights of fancy and not just have to recreate something that we've already seen done brilliantly so mm. i i kind of feel like it does a little bit of a disservice to the animators or the original animators and the new animators um in a lot of cases um I, you know there's maybe more call for it where it's you know a, a human story and you can get new human actors in and maybe they can bring something to it but the 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 ones that are essentially newly animated movies remaking old animated movies I don't really get it. I thought, uh, especially the Lion King, those voices of the original are so ingrained into those characters. Yeah. That when I, like, for instance, it was Chiwetel Ejiofor, I think, was Scar, wasn't he? And he, he just was, didn't yeah. have the same sort of camp Deviate. Disney. Yeah, the camp Disney baddie yeah. that, that Jeremy Irons had. It didn't seem to have any humor in it, which I thought was just. Yeah, I just didn't understand why they would spend. I mean, they're almost a little bit soulless, aren't they? They are, but they took. A shit, I mean, obviously, they took a shitload of money in the box office, which mm. I suppose is yeah. in the end what it is. But yeah, but for, the death in the remake that well, the reimagined Lion King it doesn't hold at all the punch that the cartoon no. one does no. at all. No, no, I don't, I don't think it works nearly as well. No, no I, I completely agree. Okay, my number eight. Uh, you did hear a little bit of it. Lalima. The amount of times I would go, Kalima, Kalima, and grab my brother's chest just to see if I could take his heart out. <laughs> it's the sacrifice victim from Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, which now that you watch it on Disney Plus is the full uncut version where you actually see uh, Mola Ram take the heart out and the heart goes up in flames. It is vicious, it is. absolutely it vicious. Is. And I can remember watching the making of, they said that they had to put added flames 
when the body is being lowered into the whatever it is like it was a pit hellish pit hellish yeah. pit they had to add flames over the body because it just looked too realistic yeah. <laughs> that it was like an animatronic body that was scrawling around just been covered in flames Oof. and it's just the whole thing looks like a nightmare the, the, the coloring of it being like red and 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 rocks and this chanting and molaram just a fantastic villain because he's mm. just mm. absolute evil as well but that one for me, I mean, like I say, I don't think, I think I started watching it on Disney Plus and not realizing it was the uncut version. And you're just watching it because it's something that you've watched God knows how many times since 1985, whenever it came out. And all of a sudden I'm seeing his hand going through his chest. I'm like, Jesus Christ, what's that? What yeah. the fuck is going on? <laughs> I just think to completely... Brought me back into it, and it made the movie so much better. I mean, I've always liked Temple of Doom. It seems to have a lot of um, negativity about it as the worst of the Indiana Jones. Well, before Crystal Skull, well, Chris, oh, um, <laughs> but it made the movie so much better because it just it it is supposed to be a movie that is dark and horrible mm. and like a nightmare. Um, so yeah, I, you, you you can't beat that. No, it, it's terrifying. And I feel like all of us saw it too young. I'm sure we all did because, you know, the nature of the time. Wasn't that the one that was given a PG, but essentially ushered in the PG-13 rating? Yes, I believe yeah. so. Yeah. I believe because so. they were like, something has to be done. This is not for everybody. Come on. Come on, people. But they're all, they've all got moments, haven't they? I was oh, going to yeah. say, yeah. you've got melting and heads exploding in the first one. So and The fact they're all PGs in this country. It's... Yeah. Quite amazing, crazy. Really. Absolutely yeah. crazy. Uh, go on, Helen, your number seven, please. My number seven. I didn't put numbers on, so I'm just counting okay, backwards. Um, I have gone for, you heard her in the clips there, Wicked Witch of the West. From, that is my um, number seven, isn't hey, it? Hey, oh, all the best people. Yeah. Um, yes, from, of course, The Wizard of Oz. But again, it's something that I saw in childhood that, that just stuck with me. And I think... You know, maybe if I'd seen the melting head in Raiders first, that would have been the one that stuck. But this one was just so horrifying. And and you're sort of sitting there as a kid going, can can that happen? Can a person just melt? Mm. Uh, what do I need to do to protect myself from this? No one's talked to me about this. Come on, people. <laughs> um, so I, I guess like Emil from Robocop as well with the, with the toxic waste, you know, this has always been a little bit distressing <laughs> yeah, to me, yeah. but... But uh, yeah, that that is a hell of a death. Really it is. is, and it's also becoming ingrained in culture, hasn't it? When mm. it, when people get wet, you always hear somebody going, "I'm melting," <laughs> <laughs> which always makes me laugh. But it is it's a fantastic death, and just desserts, isn't it? Yeah, it's when you think everything's going to be all right. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, it was it was probably number twelve or thirteen on my list, definitely because <clears> we've spoken about it before when we did our movie villains episode. Mm that she was one of the very first people that I was absolutely terrified of. Because it was the movie you watched every Christmas. Yeah. yeah. And I can Still remember do. when I was four, yeah. five, six years old, and this green witch with these monkey-like things, I'm not quite sure what they were. I had nightmares about her all the time. And that fact, like you said, Helen, that fact that just water made her die... Mm. and just disappear and I thought oh my it's just terrifying absolutely yeah, terrifying I mean it, it doesn't stand up to any scrutiny whatsoever to the point where the wicked if you've seen the musical or read the book uh story that she basically fakes her own death and has been a good guy all along kind of thing almost makes more sense 
but um but as seeing that as a kid and given um margaret hamilton's performance mm, mm. oh my god it's incredible i i will say actually i did i had put put started putting a list together and then realized how male dominated it was and actually made a little bit of an effort to think about okay who are the women though because i feel like you know, well, female characters have been underserved in movie history. Um, they are a minority of of characters, a minority of speaking roles, about thirty percent in Hollywood history, mm. and um, and they don't tend to get the iconic deaths to the same degree. Um, but but she definitely definitely deserves a place on the list. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, yeah. Um, okay, so my number seven. And I've I've just realised a lot of these are all films that I watched way too early when I was like way too young. <laughs> yeah. And this was something that I ended up watching this scene when it came out on v- maybe video or definitely DVD that I rewatched over and over again just to see how they did it in this Sonny Corleone in The Godfather. Um, <laughs> when he just gets riddled with bullets. Mm. And um, James Khan is there. I think it's a, like a toll booth or something, isn't yep, it? And then all yep. of a sudden, the people behind the toll booth just disappear, yeah. and he's looking, wondering what's going on. And then they're just—it's just volley after volley of shots that just hit him everywhere, and the, the squibs are going off on his body, and he's just uh, obliterated. Mm. And I've, like I say, the first couple of times I watched it was just hor- horrific to watch. And then when I got older, and then you start like just dissecting, how did they do that? You're looking. I mean, it must have hurt because I'm assuming that even squibs going off must must hurt a little bit because it's a little explosion. Probably back in 1971 or whenever they were filming. Whenever it was, yeah. Yeah, but, it probably but, did, to be fair. And again, the Godfather, all the Godfathers are famous for particular deaths and, and grisly mm. goings on, but that one for me is the one that always sticks in my mind. Mm. What a way yeah. to go. What yeah. a way to go. Human I think that's definitely movie. the one. Mm. Oh. what a great movie though. I've been speaking to um, I, I let my um, I've got a 20 year old lad and I, I never him, Neil you look far too I young. know I know and I, he'd never seen The Godfather so I lent him the box set and you know he turned around to me and he went I find it really boring well I would imagine that kids these days would I just I'm like what? What? Sound, what we all sound like old farts bloody know, it is, yeah it is differently paced I mean look I, I, I will I'll be honest, I appreciate it more than I love it. Mm. Um, you know, I admire it enormously, but mm. I don't like, uh, hey, it's Friday night, let's put on The Godfather. I'm not one of those people. And I know a lot of people who are, but that that's not me. But at the same time, like, there's no denying it's great, is there? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Come on. I mean, I travelled all the way down to, the, the, to London to watch it on the big screen, just purposely so I could see it. Mm. Just, I think it's an amazing movie. Absolutely. Um, okay, so that was our sevens. So, Helen, your number six, please. My number six is, hang on, one, two, three, four. I've gone for Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Now we're getting into the talkers mm, while they die. Okay, um, but the, the whole speech about, you know, I've seen rain. things you wouldn't believe. Yeah, sea beams, blah, and just look. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's a great, great performance from Rutger Howard. There's a lot of controversy over who actually wrote the speech. Mm. Um, but whoever wrote it, they did a, a hell of a job. It's an incredible send-off for that character. And it and it just flips the whole movie almost on its head. And you start mm. thinking, well, he isn't the bad guy. I mean, yes, he killed a bunch of people. And okay, that's not ideal. But so is our putative hero. And now I feel like, you know, Deckard is a bit of a dick, really. So, <laughs> Dickard. 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 
So, um, so yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's extraordinary. I think it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and beautifully yeah. shot again. Beautifully shot. Yeah, beautiful. Ridley Scott. He knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. He's not bad, so. is he? Really he's spot. not bad. He's, not he's quite good at the lighting thing. Isn't he? <laughs> yeah. It's all right. We are here with the controversial takes today. <laughs> oh, the Godfather, yeah. quite oh, good. Also, God. Ridley Scott. This podcast is going to go viral because of our <laughs> outlandish <laughs> views. <laughs> Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Oh, dear. Yeah, I think it's, um, I mean, it's probably a stupid question, but what version of Blade Runner is your favorite? Oh, um, I mean, I know it's not the fashionable answer, but like theatrical is the one that I watched most. I have yeah. now watched the final cut. I realize mm. I don't need the narration, but, um, but I just like, that's the way I first saw it. And that's the way I still think of it. So probably I just need to watch the final cut like 10 or 15 more times maybe. And then I will, then I will come around to what I'm told is the correct way of thinking. But, um, but yeah, it's probably theatrical for me first and foremost. Neil? Uh, final cut yeah. now yeah but it was nice when they released that box set with everything and then yes the, uh, yes making of, and you got to see every version that they released it was interesting to revisit the narration because that was the only version we saw for years wasn't that's it? right yeah. and you know and it was quite quite nice to see it again with the narration through uh, i know it's not great but yeah. it was it was warming yeah. to see it again exactly and the big question, it was 2019, where are those flying cars? That's what I, I know, seriously. Know. Come on, guys. For goodness sake. Haven't you got one? Not yet. Why well, have oh, you got one, Neil? Have you? Yeah. I've That's because you and Elon Musk, you're like yeah, that, and yeah. We are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's maybe both, not a good thing to we say. We've both got <laughs> Lynx brands named after us. <laughs> really? 
NRG okay. and Musk. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, Neil, number six was Hans Gruber. It certainly was. Uh, my number six was one that had me crying 13 times when I went to see it at the cinema, and it's Han Solo in The Force Awakens. Oh, um, yeah. It made me watch A New Hope in a different way, because it made me sort of like not want to watch a new hope because I'm watching this young, virile, cocky Han Solo who's not got a care in the world that just wants to go off and just have adventures. And I'm thinking, mate, in like 30 odd years time, your son is going to kill you. He's just (laughs) going to put a lightsaber right through you and not even give a shit. He's not going to care. Oh, it just made me not, I couldn't watch new hope for a long, long time after watching force awakens. But, I think that's one of the most beautiful scenes in Star Wars, especially when Han Solo touches Kylo Ren or, you know, Ben, oh, ben, yeah. ben Kenobi. Ben, ben Solo's face. I think it's just a beautiful moment. You know what? That is that is a very, very good shout. I think, so just a personal anecdote for a second. I was given that the job of reviewing that film. And, you know, I don't know if anybody out there knows this, but Empire has a history of sometimes getting Star Wars wrong. Attack of the Clones, five stars. Just, yeah. <laughs> so, so it was, a very, mention. it was a very nerve wracking job because they would only let one person see it that morning. Oh, right. Everybody else is going in the evening. They would only let one person see it, but we had to go see it in the morning to meet the press deadline to get the review written. So I had to go on my on my own, but there was going to be no talking about it with colleagues, no sort of, you know, post-game analysis kind of thing. And I was like, I have to get this right, you know, and I was really terrified. I was like, if I give this five stars, first of all, no one's going to believe me. Like no one is going to trust me. But um, but if, you know, but I have to do what I think is right, of course. Um, so when that moment happened in that film, I was like, Oh, this shit, this might be a five-star film. Oh God. I got I got genuinely stressed out because I thought it was such an incredible scene. Mm. The way it played out, the way they're talking about different things, the way that even if Han guesses what Ben is talking about, he would still act the way he does because he can't act any other way because he's his father and he's his son. I mean, I think it's it's a brilliant piece of writing, it's a great piece of performance, and it's a hell of a body blow to oh. you know 40 years worth of star mm, wars fans exactly and i love the the metaphor of like the 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 sun and the light slowly slowly get, and then the moment that the light actually disappears oh. it's almost like the light that's what kylo ren's light is gone out mm. no redemption although well there was redemption uh, well, let's not even end, talk but, about the horizon oh. yeah. but yeah it had to be in my top 10 uh that one for definite Ah, oh, R.A.P. Han. Anyway, uh, on to our number five. So your number five, Helen, was Boromir from was. Lord of the Rings. So Neil, your number five, please. I will say Marvin from Pulp Fiction. All right, okay. Yeah, which to me was, I uh, still think of it today, it's, it's a brutal death, yet very comedic. Yes. <laughs> An accidental blowing of the brains in the back of the car. It's really quite funny. It's a typical Tarantino sort of blink and you'll miss it and it's happened. Um, but yeah. And then the whole palaver afterwards of having to clean the car at Tarantino's <laughs> place is quite hilarious. And what is the wolf doing dressed like that at eight o'clock in the morning or whenever it is? That's what hey, I wanted to know. No judgment. You know, if that's the way he parties until yeah. next morning. Or was fine. he filming direct line adverts? Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? But, yeah, it's a great, great death, isn't it? it? It really is. The fact the way he just leans across the chair, 
poof, and it's gone. Always yeah. keep your safety on, people, or just don't handle guns. You know, that no, that's probably right. the wiser words. Yeah. Don't the handle guns words. on a bumpy road. You just shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, you just shouldn't do it. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, like I said, it's typical Tarantino, isn't it? It's mm. the sort of thing he loves to throw in wherever. I mean, even in that movie, the way John Travolta gets disposed of is it was was that really happened when I first watched it at the cinema? Was, did it, did, was he killed? <laughs> It's a very, very yeah. But the yeah. Marvin one just—I know it's wrong, but it did make me laugh. <laughs> okay. Well, that's the thing—is that some movie deaths are there to make you laugh, aren't they? Mm. That's the the, the beauty. Happy ones. That's the beauty of movie deaths. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that there are so many different types. Well, there are some funny ones, but I mean, the, the fact that it was so brutal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I felt wrong for laughing. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, the way the way that some of the Spinal Tap drummers go is also pretty. Oh yeah, this is true. So, you know. And, and on that note, isn't it great to hear they're doing another? Well, fingers yes. crossed, it'll be a good one. They're doing I, another I movie. I really hope now. so. I really hope. I it, can you imagine if it's up to the standard of the oh, first one? Oh my god. Is, yeah. Well, I mean, you, you can only hope, can't you? I mean the. Um, the history of these sequels that come 20, 30 years after the original is not particularly, there's not a good strike rate, put it that way. Look, maybe this will be the colour of money slash Top Gun Maverick of the, of the comedy genre. I think that the the worrying thing for me is that I think no comedy sequel has ever been truly great. No. no. Not even Airplane 2. No. Uh, so, you know. Well, in that case, then they need to get Tom Cruise as their drummer, don't they? they? Do. I think they genuinely do. I think he's look. He, uh, from what I can see, he's the common threat. So yeah, <laughs> it's got to be that. Yeah. Okay, so my number five was Hans Gruber from Die Hard. So over to you again, Helen, for your number four. My number four. Um, I went. I, I knew the film I wanted, and I went back and forth between the people. I've settled on Captain Miller from Saving Private Ryan. The medic, Wade, Giovanni Ribisi's character, gave me real pause because I think that's an incredible death scene where he's basically trying to, you know, tell all his friends how to treat his wounds. Mm -hmm. And then he realises he's a goner and has to essentially tell them. It's an amazing scene. But Captain Miller sums up the entire film in two words, earn this, yeah, which is just the biggest... It's a bigger gut punch than the one he's freaking dying of. Like, it is an unbelievable moral and burden and uh yeah just moment i think in cinema it's it's astonishing astonishing yeah. that death scene again i'm going to be really controversial steven spielberg quite good jesus helen come I on know. you're gonna get hey. taken off the air you can't keep dropping bombs like this <laughs> he's not bad is he he gets it right occasionally <laughs> he's not bad and we are doing our top 10 spielberg movies in a few weeks time so oh my uh, gosh oh and the thing is, he's and very... joint number one is... Yeah, and he's very, very clever at the start of that movie Hook. because you think that those eyes are, t- are Tom Hanks's eyes. Yeah. And you think, okay, well, he's not going to die. He's yeah. fine. He's okay. But actually, if you watch the movie, because that's exactly, exactly what I thought when I watched it, if you watch the movie, he doesn't do a direct match cut. Oh, and right. He would. He's that good. He, he is. is that good. He's Steven Spielberg. Even I bloody still, Spielberg. Come I on. I still think it's the best opening of any war movie, though. Oh, it really yeah. does immerse you straight in, and you're like terrified when it was done well at the cinema yeah. with the great sound and everything. To be it's fair, terrifying. that could be 
the top ten movie deaths just the, just the, in that the, movie the, that, that yeah. part of Saving Private Ryan. Yeah. yeah, the 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 slow push of the knife in the fight upstairs. Oh the, god, yeah. I've forgotten about that one. That also oh is, is astonishing. The the sniper battle and and the uh, and the way Barry Pepper goes as well. I mean, just. That is an incredible film. Oh, yeah. I can't remember the name of the actor that's getting killed with that knife, but he's going, wait, wait, wait. He's trying to tell the... Jeremy something. Yeah, because I can see his face in my in my head, but he's trying to tell the person to wait, 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 and, and stop. Oh, it's, mm. oh, it's a killer. God. I mean, it's literally a killer also. That is literally a killer. <laughs> um, Neil, your number four was Quint from Jaws. Uh, my number four was one that is a complete... Accident should never have happened, and it's the swordsman from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, only because Harrison Ford had the squits, and they had to get rid of the whole scene. For me, it's one of the greatest moments in cinema history, and the fact that it shows that Indiana Jones is just a stone-cold killer. He doesn't care. He doesn't care how fancy you are with a sword. He's just going to just straight-up shoot you. And everybody enjoyed it in the crowd. They're all yeah. there going, way when he dies. And uh, it's funny. It, it's another it's funny. It's really funny. Yeah. It and the funny. fact that it was like, it was supposed to be this elaborate whip versus sword mm. fight and choreographed. And um, yeah, I think I can't remember what it was that he so say it, but uh, Spielberg was the only one that never got food poisoning because he, he took canned food with him see that's how good a director Steven Spielberg is he takes his own canned what food what a dude what <laughs> a man oh, do you what know what's a... weird when you said this death was a complete accident another gunman versus swordsman came into my head and it's not something I've got on my list and it's not something that was on my long list but the death of the invisible swordsman in the three amigos oh, oh, like, yeah. yes. <laughs> for some reason came into my head yeah. haven't thought about it in probably 15 years but there you go oh there you <laughs> go well I'm yeah. pleased I unlocked that memory for you Helen. Yeah. there you go now film. I'm going to have to go and watch three amigos I oh know. no what a shame oh, what a shame god I haven't seen that film for a while I know yeah I must... good night Ned <laughs> <laughs> my little buttercup <laughs> <laughs> okay Helen then your number three please my number three is one that probably isn't on anyone else's list but it is possibly my favourite film of all time um, and it is Cyrano de Bergerac the 1990 version the the Gerard Depardieu one um, I know he's not the nicest man in the world however he was perfectly cast as mm. Cyrano and so Cyrano is a poet he was a real person by the way he was uh, he was really one of the first science fiction writers he wrote in the 1600s um, he uh, gets a blow to the head on his way to his weekly visit to his long lost love, Roxanne. But he goes anyway, and he's giving her all the usual move, news and nonsense and chatting away to her, but dying all the time and basically ends up staggering around the convent gardens and dying in her arms. And it is very operatic, ridiculously melodramatic, and it destroys me every single time I watch it. So, yeah, Cyrano. It's wow. been a long time since I've watched that uh, movie, that version. It is wonderful. It has a great score, mm. um, which I, d I think doesn't get enough love. I think it's beautifully directed. I don't, I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times, obviously. I've seen, I think the, the Steve Martin Roxanne version is actually very good. Mm. Um, I think the recent Joe Wright, Peter Dinklage version is okay. I hated the stage version with James McAvoy, even though James McAvoy delivering those lines works. 
Um, but they changed a couple of things. They, they modernized the language, which is great and fine, but they lost my very favorite line in the film and or in the in the story. And uh, I, I couldn't quite forgive them for it. So I sat there the whole second half going, nope. Yeah. <laughs> what's, what's the favorite line? Um, basically, there's a bit where... Uh, so... Cyrano has fought a duel the night before and then he goes to meet Roxanne in the morning and uh, she basically that's when she tells him she's in love with this guy Christian she wants him to protect Christian for her and and deliver her love message basically to him and then she's kind of rushing out the door in a big flurry of just nonsense and going oh my god and I heard you totally fought, fought a duel and, oh my god that's amazing um, you must tell me about all about it last time you're so brave and she rushes out the door and he goes I've been braver since and it's right. like, oh, my heart is breaking. Oh, I right, right. They didn't know. Maybe I missed a bit in the stage show, but they didn't have that line. And I was like, no, no, right. no. That, that line was definitely in the Steve Martin version. I remember that yeah, bit. Yeah. Yeah, oh. yeah. Although I can't remember him staggering around and dying in that one. He doesn't stagger. There is a happy ending of the Steve Martin there version, is. which, you know, even though I love the play and I, you know, can be a purist at times, I'm totally okay with happy ending right. for it. Like I, will, I will allow Cyrano to live happily ever after because I just love him so much oh goodness uh, right then Neil you're number three so it's another funny death and it's Captain Clarence Over from Airplane Peter Graves where literally Leslie Nielsen is explaining what's happening with this, uh, when he's eating the fish and you're watching him die <laughs> <laughs> and it is hilarious and great does he actually die though? well i yeah, I think he does, doesn't he? I don't carry him through the plane. Yeah, they? but they talk about if we don't get these passengers to safety, they'll start dying. So oh, maybe he maybe. doesn't die. But you're right. I mean, he does act quite dead. Yeah, <laughs> it is quite, yeah. and it is coming out of both ends as well. So. It is, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll give you that one, Neil. We'll give you that one. It just makes me laugh, and I, th- I think of it as a death scene. The way they build it up, isn't it? It really is. Again. I'll give you that one just so that we can put that clip in the in the video <laughs> playlist, just so that I can watch it when we're doing it. Uh, that's a good one. Um, okay, my number three for me again. This is it's equal to Saving Private Ryan in regards to the most devastating first 15, 20 minutes of a movie, and it's Ellie from Up. Oh God. Oh, God. It's, oh. it's, I think I. I mean, I don't know how many times I've seen this movie. I really don't but I'm in pieces every... And I know what's happening. I know what's going to happen. Mm. Uh, but I am in pieces every time. It's so beautiful. It's, it's Pixar doing what they do best. Yeah. Um, that first 15... I mean, I'd say I love the whole movie, but that first 15 minutes where yeah. it is this couple's journey through their life from meeting as kids to when Ellie dies is just beautiful, but heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Devastating. Um, and yeah. I, th- I think it's one of those sort of moments that that just makes you hug your family a little bit harder, you mm. know, and just and just look forward to every moment that you got. And then after ten minutes, after watching the film, you completely forget about it. Back and to normal. Telling your kids <laughs> off, and you're you know pissed off. You got to go to work and stuff like that. But it's um, it's a cinematic moment that is amazing. But like you say, devastating. It is. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh. There, there. Nothing to add. Helen, your number two, then, please. My number two is unusual for kind of happening off screen, and that is Bambi's mum. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Because I feel like all the other Disney deaths, including especially in, in some ways Mufasa, are modelled after 
Bambi's mother. Uh, right. There is a litter of dead parents throughout Disney movies. Because I think this, the feeling is for, for kids' stories, and this goes back to all the fairy tales, you know, if your parents are alive and there, there's some kind of protection for you. Mm. And there's some there's some sense that you can't go on that much of an adventure because you'll be because you'll be okay because mum and dad are there. But Bambi's mum, once once she dies, it's kind of all bets are off and mm. and and it's literally open season on mm. Bambi. And uh and it is just devastating. And the fact that he doesn't understand what's happened and he doesn't get it at first. Again, it's one of those moments that that just completely destroys you. Mm. So um, so yeah, Bambi's mother. Yeah, I remember one of the earliest memories going to see this in the 70s with my brother, who's two years uh, older than me, uh, with my mum and dad. And the whole journey back was about a 15-mile drive of back then was our nearest cinema. My brother cried the whole way, and I love telling him this to this day. <laughs> he sobbed. I mean, I was two years younger. I was upset, but yeah, he sobbed and sobbed. He kept. I always remember he kept saying to my mum, Why? <laughs> There's, I think there's an age where they don't get it. So my my mm. sister-in-law actually watched um, The Lion King with my nephew the other day. And she sort of said, you know, do you, do you know what happens to Mufasa? And, and he goes, oh, he died. And she goes, yeah, that's sad, isn't it? And he goes, no. <laughs> so he's just, but like he's too yeah. little. He doesn't really know what it means. He doesn't no. understand it. Thank yeah. goodness. So, yeah. yeah. It's like a shot rings out. That's the thing, isn't it? It's that shot. You know, it's it like does. JFK assassination. The shot rings out, and it's like it tells the story. Everything changes. Yeah. Okay. Take that. Um, right then, Neil, you're number two. Well, this um, this movie has been mentioned already. It's Raiders of Lost Art, but I am going to go for Ronald Lacey and his melting face oh, because yeah. it literally was not what you were expecting in his boy's own adventure that all the family was allowed to go and sit together and you saw basically it's like lasagna doesn't it when it's rolling down and it's and you're like what no but it is a graphic but great death and a good comeuppance to such a nasty nasty piece of work but great performance by ronald lacey Mm. absolutely great i think all three of them um Mm. uh, dietrich was the other was the other nazi wasn't it whose head face sort of crumples in on itself That's um, it. and then, and then Paul Freeman Paul Freeman yeah that was another one where they apparently added extra flames the, the old flame animator for the Raiders movies must have been like yeah. a big in shit he was like oh my god I'm so busy I can't yeah. keep doing these but flames you think about they're all really gruesome deaths they're really they're things gruesome. that yeah the things that you sort of Game of Thrones-esque sort of deaths in a PG movie aren't they yeah, yeah look really at are. Alfred Molina at the start with the spikes going through him mm. that's another yeah. one I mean it's, how that was a PG I God know. only knows it is when... genuinely a mystifying system how they get some things past the centres uh, yeah it makes, really? it makes yeah. absolutely no sense whatsoever uh, okay my number two uh, is one of the most pantomime of deaths which I'm pretty sure had loads more added into it that got cut out. It's the Sheriff of Nottingham from Robin Hood, <gasps> Prince of Thieves. <laughs> Alan I've, Rickman I've, again. Yeah, I know. Alan Rickman again. But I've watched this movie so many times and the last couple of episodes saying this is mine and my wife's film. We watched it so many times at the cinema, so many times on video and DVD and Blu-ray and whatever. It always, because there was always a thing about the fact that uh, Kevin Costner had a lot of clout in that movie and didn't like the fact that Alan Rickman was getting a lot of like laughs and a lot of the good lines and stuff but I always feel when you look at that it seems to me there's a bits there's bits that have been edited out of that death scene 
because when, the bit when um, Robin Hood actually stabs him with that knife, I believe that's the knife that he, that Prince, Sheriff of Nottingham gave to Marion as a get as a gift, and he sort of pulls it out of himself and holds it in his hand as if, eh, that's oh, that's the gift I gave Marion. I'm imagining that he says that, and they just cut that bit out. <laughs> And then when he's dragging himself to get air to the window, I just get that feeling that he lifts his head, looks at the camera and goes, and then dies and then they cut that bit out as well. <laughs> but it's a fantastic, I mean, it's the fact that it goes on for, it's like Bill Murray in Zombieland with just the, the, the eternal breath. breath yeah, it just carries yeah. on. It just, and he's, he's sweating and there's blood everywhere and there's sweat. And I, it's a fantastic death. It really is very close to being my number one. It's he's such a good character in that movie. I just he just makes the whole thing. I think surely Costner realized that that you know it only works for him to be stoic and heroic if he has someone that outrageous against him. Like it just it lifts the whole movie. Exactly, exactly. When was the last time you watched it, Pav? Uh, about three months ago. I think oh, it was. Okay. Yes, yeah, so it wasn't that that long ago. And I mean, there's, held up there's, still well. No, not really. There's some great actions. There's some great action scenes in it. There is. I mean, Kevin Costner's accent was always a thing to, you know, one minute he's trying to talk English, next minute he's definitely not. Um, some of the like the background actors are very British background actors where they've done the ADR over the top, but it just sounds like a carry-on film. Am some I of right that's, thinking Jack Wilde was in it? Jack Wilde like, was in it, Jack, yeah. Was yeah, he? Yeah. yeah. And Daniel Peacock was in it. Oh, that's right. Uh, he was ball. Yeah, yeah but it, it's, oh, uh, there's some really, really great bits and great moments in it. But uh, I'm going to cut your heart out with a spoon. That was, a, that was another <laughs> it's good It's blunt. Line. It'll hurt more. <laughs> exactly. <Bless> exactly. <laughs> Why a spoon, cousin? <laughs> okay. Right. We're about to reveal our number ones. Before we do that, uh, Helen, would you like to give us your 10 to 2 rundown, please? Okay. So, at number 10, I had Goose from Top Gun. Number nine, Captain Rhodes from Day of the Dead. Number eight, Hans Gruber in Die Hard. Number seven, The Wicked Witch of the West from The Wizard of Oz. Number, what am I up to? Six. Six, yeah. <laughs> Roy Batty from Blade Runner. Number five, Boromir in Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Number four, Captain Miller from Saving Private Ryan. Number three, Cyrano de Bergerac in Cyrano de Bergerac. Uh, number two, Bambi's Mother in Bambi. Lovely. Neil, your 10 to 2, please. So at number 10, I have Boromir from Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, number 9, Samuel L. Jackson's death in Deep Blue Sea. Number 8, Mufasa's death in The Lion King. Number 7, The Wicked Witch of the West, uh, Wizard of Oz. Number 6, Hans Gruber, Die Hard. Number 5, Marvin from Pulp Fiction. Uh, number 4, Quint and Jaws. And then number 3, Captain Clarence Over from Airplane. And number 2, Mr. Melting Face from Razor of the Lost Art, Ronald Lacey's Death. Lovely. And mine is number 10, Quint from Jaws. Number 9, Kane from Alien. 8, The Sacrifice Victim. Sorry, I don't know your name. From Indiana Jones and the Temple <laughs> of Doom. Uh, number 7, Sonny Corleone from The Godfather. 6, Han Solo from The Force Awakens. 5, Hans Gruber from Die Hard. 4, The Swordsman from Raiders of the Lost Ark. Sorry, I don't know your name. Number 3, Ellie from Up. And number two, Sheriff of Nottingham, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. So, Helen, what is your number one movie death? My number one is a film that still makes me cry every single time I watch it, and despite certain surrounding circumstances that would seem to make it less sad. Spock, Star Trek II, The Wrath of Khan. Um, 
I just, I think it's flawless. I think the way it's written is devastating. I think the fact that you can feel 20 years of friendship between these characters just destroys me every single time. I think it's the faltering in James Kirk's voice that mm. you hear the fact that he tries to rush into certain deaths. Um, the way Spock kind of gathers himself to check that the ship is okay. To check that the <laughs> ship is okay. Come on, man. Oh, uh, it's it's just it's 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 amazing. It's it's devastating. I've never gotten over it. And I don't care that he came back to life. I'm still not over it. Yeah, yeah. So did that make when they did the reboot and the remake make that all the more painful? The uh, look, Star Trek 2009, I love. I absolutely thought I thought it was excellent, excellent filmmaking. Um Star Trek Into Darkness though can go jump off a cliff exactly because they mm. tried to riff on this and they absolutely hadn't earned it. And and I say that with respect and love for that cast who I think are great, but they had not earned that beat and they tried to do that beat and it didn't. I find it I find it offensive. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it was also the fact they were trying to go, no, he's not Khan. And Benedict Cumberbatch oh. is not Khan. And everyone's going, yay. Don't insult our intelligence. Exactly. Come on. Yeah. We Come all on. know he is. So why are you saying he's not? Uh, yeah, but he's not. <laughs> he might be, but he's not. Yeah, he is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, I'm not as heavily invested in Star Trek as... Well, I guess that from your background, which is <laughs> extremely Star Wars heavy for, for those listening. Slightly. Only just, slightly. Just a little, I mean... It's been a while since I've seen the Star Trek movies, actually. How does the first one hold up? Because I always thought that was a bit don't, weird. No, no. Uh, I don't acknowledge double. the first one. Right. It's like it's like this alleged fourth Indiana Jones film. Don't acknowledge it. It doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah, I went to the cinema and watched that first Star Trek movie. It was and and it was so long that they stopped the movie halfway through, so that you could go and have a wee and go and get some food or whatever. And it was weird because they didn't tell you they were going to stop the movie. All of a sudden, I think it was the bold lady. She's Mm talking. She goes, "Oh no!" And I thought, "Oh my god!" The lady turned up with the little tray with like chalk ices and and cartons of drink i thought this is really weird yeah it seemed to take like 45 minutes for kirk to get onto the enterprise didn't it from what i can remember yeah, look just no just okay no, well, just a, a hard we'll, pass on the motion picture yeah i won't we'll move a hard pass yeah. two three four six right two three four six two three four six of the original cast two three four six don't okay. even mess around with the others okay uh go on then neil well, you've already uh, had it in your top 10 power. It's uh, Kane, the alien chestburster scene. And it just is one of those scenes that stay with you. It's a scene that when I first watched it too young, scared me to death. Then whenever I went to watch Alien again, I used to avoid that scene. <laughs> so I'd leave when I was younger. It's a, it's a terrifying scene is what it is. Because, uh, like you said, everything's a day-to-day and back to normality. And then you think he's choking on his Cocoa Pops or whatever and literally flops over and out comes this thing. Or as you gallantly put it, a dick comes flying out. I never said a dick. I said a penis. I was a, bit, right, more, I was a bit more surgical about it yeah. than just <laughs> saying a dick. I mean, come but on. But it was, it was shocking. And it shocked me then. And it's still an uncomfortable scene when you watch it now. I mean, oh, without a time. It, it really is. And it's a great death, isn't it? It's John Hurt. It's wonderful. Oh, I miss John Hurt. He's such a great actor. Mm. Isn't he? It's also the fact that once the alien is little scarpered off, mm. his, like John Hurt's hands are still sort of like flapping. Flapping, yeah. Bits of blood still like squeaking out. That's the that's the 
Well, Veronica Cartwright is just literally terrified, isn't mm. she? When you see her in it, she looks terrified. Yeah. And I mean, rightly. I feel like some mm. PTSD in the rest of the cast there would be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It really And would. again, Ridley Scott, he's pretty good. He seems to, right. he he knows right, where he? to point a camera, doesn't he? He seems to know where to point a camera. He really does. He really does. Okay, my number one. Uh, oh God, I think this is probably the movie that we've I've talked about more than anything in all the podcasts we've done. And it was uh, the culmination of 10 years, and it was this guy's arc to the point of him being an arrogant prick, to dying on the battlefield, uh, saving everybody, Tony Stark in Avengers Endgame. And I've I've spoken about it many times about the tears that I cried in the cinema watching what I think, apart from Star Wars, is the greatest scene in movie history. Um, Avengers assemble and oh, everybody starts. Oh, it's just just flawless. It's beautiful, absolutely beautiful, well, and yeah, almost flawless. Oh, okay, almost flawless. No, my tiny, my tiny, with that whole, but like in forty minutes, it's a hugely long scene. My tiny flaws are. Um, there should be a, a tiny moment with Stephen Bucky. I just want a look or a nod or something. I just want, just just give me something here. And yeah. second of all, the feminist bit, I don't like. Yeah, yeah. That seemed very shoehorned in. It very shoehorned in. Whereas, whereas like Tony and Pepper are fighting back to back, that's feminism for me. That yeah. is, that's what I want. But yeah. um, so two tiny flaws, but they're entirely eclipsed by Cat picking up me on there and then on your left and the portals. Yeah, and Tony. I mean, it's a great moment. It's a great yeah, moment. it is. It and it, is. It, I think the bit—not just Tony dying, but it's that bit when things are happening. Tony takes a glance over at um, Doctor Strange, Strange, and Doctor Strange just lifts that finger up that this is the one time. And then Tony knows I'm going to die, but I have to do this because this is the only way we're going to win. Devastating, but the fact that Tony's at peace with it—he knows—he knows that he has to do that. Um, he gets to say goodbye to the people that he loves and it's that's I love you 3000 just fucking devastating <laughs> it just is and every time I can remember watching it on TV I think it was on Sky or whatever and my daughter hadn't seen Infinity War but she watched the last hour of uh, Endgame with me and I was doing my tears like I knew I would and I looked over and she was bawling. And I thought, oh my God, you've not watched as much of the Marvel that I have. And it's still got to you that that way, you know? And that's that's how strong the emotion of that particular scene is, I think. Mm. Beautifully done. Brilliant. Well, there yeah. you go. That's our 10. Um, we've got a few honourable mentions. So let me just quickly uh, run through those. Jason Luce said, meatloaf in the 51st state. Oh, um, I've so that as well, I'm afraid. That's not... Um, that's not the Adam Sandler one, is it? That's no, it's the Samuel Jackson. Samuel Jackson, Robbie right. uh, okay. Carlyle one. Uh, best line as well, you fuck me, I'm truly ass invaded, is what he said. Uh, Stu Grant said, in no particular order, and trying to avoid all the usual suspects like Darth Vader, Roy Batty and Hans Gruber. The Crazy 88s in Kill Bill Part 2. Mm-hmm. Joker in Batman 89. Evil Ash in the Army of Darkness. X-Force in Deadpool 2. Marion Crane in Psycho, Tyler Durden in Fight Club, Donnie yeah. in The Big Lebowski, mm. Rorschach in Watchmen, uh, Ellie Fredrickson in Up, John Coffey in The Green Mile, Brooks Hatland in The Shawshank Redemption, and Rosie in Jojo Rabbit. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, Jen, good, good, good calls. Jen mm. Berg's got this one, which I, I think I should have put in my top 10, is Malone in The Untouchables. Yeah. 
what are you prepared to do? Oh, uh, yeah. When he's, he's uh, Kevin Costner thinks that he's he's trying to get his chain and he's not, he's trying to get the the um, the bookmaker, I think it was, his, mm. his, his train and stuff. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Uh, Andy McEwen one says, Bennett's got to be in there, right? So I think that's... Uh, <laughs> let off some steam. Let yeah. off some steam, <laughs> Bennett. Uh, Kendra Gross Tapia says, my girl, where are his glasses? Oh. Is that the, uh, the beasting one? Isn't it's it? the beasting, yeah. yeah. Mm. And also up, Big Hero Six, and really any Disney movie with a death in the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, we've talked about that. Yeah. And Darren Bryan says, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, Sheriff of Nottingham, RoboCop, Dick Jones with his extra long arms, and Conair, <laughs> Cyrus the Virus, Cyrus the, the Virus. virus. I mean that that is a great case of overkill. Yeah. Um, but I, I feel like I've tried to draw a, a distinction between movie deaths and movie killings. Like Bennett to me is a great killing scene, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, but uh, whereas these are more the people who have been killed. Does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, no, that does know, make right? sense. No, absolutely. Absolutely makes sense. Um, so that's it. Uh, we've done it. We've done it. So, Neil, do you want to just go through and let everybody know how they can get in touch with us? before? Uh, of course goodbyes? I can. So you can find us on all the social medias at Top 10 Pods. Do give us a click, give us a like, give us a follow. It'd be wonderful to see you. Email us at top10pods at hotmail.com with any suggestions you may have for a top 10 yourself. Come and help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash top 10 pods, where there's all sorts of rewards where you can even be a guest on the pod yourself and check out all our links via the link tree. You can find the link in the show notes. And please do come subscribe and leave us a review and rating wherever you get your podcast from. Wonderful. The one question I wanted to ask you, Helen, you know, you were saying earlier on about when you went and saw The Force Awakens and like you weren't allowed to. How do you stop yourself when you go and see a preview before anybody else, especially whether it's a great movie or a really bad movie? How do you stop yourself? <laughs> like you're saying, you know, say you see yeah. Chris in the office and you go, that was a lot of shit. That was, oh, you must have to stop yourself. We can talk to each other. We can talk to each other. No, I did have to be careful with The Force Awakens. Um, James told me not even to look at him. He was worried he'd get an impression from my face. So I literally, I did have to sort of maintain a Chinese wall in that respect. But generally speaking, we can kind of spoil each other a little bit and just talk to each other a little bit. Having said that, I mean, I saw Dune about two months early, two or three months, maybe even more. And, and that was, it was very hard mm. not to just grab people by the lapels, just like people in the street, just like people I saw, you know, around the place and just grab them and go, I've seen Dune and it's amazing. <laughs> you know, so, so you do have to cultivate a certain amount of professional restraint. Um, but, uh, but no, I mean, I'm lucky that I have uh, kind of colleagues essentially who I can who I can talk to about this stuff because mm. yes otherwise I would explode I would yeah I bet you, I can imagine and what with COVID and that things like set visits and that are they something yeah. that you're still doing now or um I have been on uh, let me see two set visits maybe since since COVID um it's obviously much more difficult and and studios are you know understandably wary of having anyone on set that doesn't have to mm. be there uh so it has definitely sort of cut down on the amount of that kind of stuff that's been happening. I hope that it will start to happen again because I think it's really a valuable thing to be able to see these films get made. So I, I really hope, and not just because I can get to see films being made, which is personally very exciting, but generally I think it's it's an important thing to be able to share with people. Um, but but yeah, so so I hope I hope to get back to it soon. I really do. And what's the most exciting one that you've 
you've done in your time? I'm, I honestly, I have been spoiled. I mean, so I was on set of June as well. I, oh, really? I was there on Wonder Woman when she went over the top on No Man in No Man's Land. I was on set of Harry Potter for the last uh, three Harry Potter movies, technically not two. I was on Captain America: Civil War um, when he was being brought in. Uh, arrested by Martin Freeman. Um, I was on the first Captain America. I was on Guardians of the Galaxy in the prison. You know, wow. I, I have been on, I've just, I was on 300. That was one of the, uh, that was one of my first ones. And I've, <laughs> I remember sitting on the airplane over going, well, they're definitely not going to have people as naked as they are in this comic. <laughs> and then I get on set and they're all in their pants. And I was like, okay, all right. So keep your eyes up, Helen, eyes up. Um, <laughs> So yeah, no, I've, I've been. <laughs> oh, and I've been on. I've been. Uh, I was on set of uh, Wolverine uh, in Australia. Now I, I'm not saying it was the greatest X Men Origins Wolverine. It wasn't the greatest film, obviously. But as a huge, huge fan of X Men in general, Wolverine in particular, that was one of the great days. It was really good. Wow! Wow! Lucky, lucky thing. Yeah, genuinely, oh. super lucky. So, um, wow. any other books in the pipeline? Uh, I have an idea, um, but we shall see if anybody wants it. Um, and if I can face doing all the research and the work of writing a book again, uh, the last one I, sw- I swore never again when I finished. And then of course I've weakened over time. Uh, so there might be something in the future. We'll see. Okay. Well, we'll put a link to the, uh, the book in the show notes and also to the empire podcast as well. Um, myself and i'm sure i know that neil is as well both massive fans oh, of your work yes so please uh please say hi to james and to chris for us we'll do we'll do um and uh we'll sort out a date for top 10 uh move what was it going to do movie jump scares we'll do, jump we'll do, scares. do that sometime <laughs> in the future helen thank you so much for joining us such a pleasure thank you for having me thank you thank you neil thank you very much Pab. thank you helen great to Cheers. see you again Thank you, everybody, for watching and listening. And let's go start the countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.